Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cabin Devils. My name is David, and I'll be joined by David. It's It's been awesome today, uh, just being able to think through some of the things we are going to be looking at tonight. It's exciting to know that Christmas is nearby, and that, uh, man, we're going to get gifts. We've got gifts. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Today, I was able to receive my Christmas gift. It came way, way early. I didn't want a stampede uh, when it comes to trying to fight for gifts in December. And so, thank God, I got mine early. And so, I hope you guys have got Christmas gifts packing up uh, for your friends and family. But let me know in the chat, what do you want for Christmas what do you want for Christmas? It's a very, very simple song. I mean, a very simple uh, request that uh, you could make and say, this is what I want for Christmas. Grace, TBDA, thank you so much for being live here with us. She was the first person to come. Peterson, you're welcome to Cabin Devils. Frank Matovu, it's gr- always great uh, to have you. How about big, big fan, big fan of Cabin Devils. Lindsay, it's been a while, um, but it's great to see Asante Sana for joining us. And of course, we do have Andy as well with Peterson. You're welcome. Always great to have you. Thank you so much, Peterson, for always sharing the show with friends and family. Please go ahead and tap that button with uh, an arrow pointing out of uh, square. It's the share button. And let your friends know that we are live, that we are live. We've got gifts is our title for tonight. I remember a day... Uh, when I received my first MacBook computer, it was delivered by Ray Pritchard himself the day he, one of the days he was teaching at the Bible school here in Uganda. This computer came from a couple that paid my tuition when I was at campus, uh, when I was in Compassion. I know Chipson also here was uh, part of Compassion uh, when he was younger. Very, very beautiful couple. The gentleman actually, I think, passed on uh, about two years ago. Um, I got a chance to meet him uh, when he he was in some of his last days. Very, very graceful, very polite, very merciful. It was such a blessing uh, to spend some time with this couple. A big shout out to Shari Johnson. But I remember Ray had just arrived in Uganda and I was told that particular Sunday afternoon not to bother him. Uh, Of course, because he was tired. But I said to myself, you know what, he will rest after I get my computer. And uh, that Sunday afternoon, I remember going to his room, one of the rooms of the Bible Institute where he was he was sleeping, knocked at the door, and I picked this uh, computer from him. He gave it to me, and I remember his words. He said, whoever gave you this computer loves you. I still remember those words. I got home. I think I was at home alone that uh, afternoon. I forget where my family had gone. And I, I opened it. And it's funny what first came to mind. As I peeled off that smooth plastic off the screen and turned it on and saw the first Apple logo shining through this pitch black retina display, guess what verse came to mind? Do you love me more than these? The verse just came to mind. Asking the question, do you love me more than these? And this verse is had been and still is a great reminder of uh, Peter when he gave up fishing and and uh, I mean when he gave up uh, ministry and went back fishing and actually when he did that his fellow friends followed him and they went fishing together but it's interesting how God restored this gentleman back to ministry by asking the question do you love me more than this and of course Peter answered and said yes of course I love you he said feed my sheep feed my sheep I don't know why that verse came to mind, but for some reason it came to mind. Now, this Christmas, as we exchange gifts, it's important to be reminded of the gifts or the blessings we have in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How do these blessings translate into our world today? Are these blessings tangible? What about the gifts that we never received that others got? Those are the questions that we are going to be battling in 
battling with today. Let me allow David um, K to join this conversation uh, if he's in a position to, as we continue to just meditate on these things, we have all these spiritual blessings from Christ and likening all of that to the Christmas gifts and these gifts that we are getting from friends. How can we be able to live? How can we be able to live uh, and to borrow the words of Oswald Chambers, being the best versions of ourselves, utmost for his highest, utmost for his highest, taking advantage of every spiritual blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. Devi, how, how do we hold this conversation without sounding like we're coming up with excuses not to give people physical gifts or consoling ourselves for not receiving Christmas gifts by saying that we have spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus? Devi. Well, I mean, uh, uh, good evening, everyone. Um, <laughs> I was just going to go right into answering the question, <laughs> but I, I hope uh, everyone has had a wonderful uh, week and um, mm. knowing that the week that we have just had has also been a gift to us. Well, mm. I mean, yes, his, defi- his divine power has given us everything. He has given us the spiritual gifts, but listen, it's not just the spiritual gifts that God has given us. He has also given us tangible, tangible gifts. Uh, life in itself is a gift from God. Um, you ask people who you know, suffered uh, from COVID that breathing is a gift from God and you know, oxygen is a gift from God. Those are tangible gifts that God has given us um, uh, apart from the spiritual gifts that he has given us. So I don't think, you know, uh, thinking about the spiritual gifts should be an excuse for anyone not to, if they are in a position to, you know, bestow someone a gift that uh, they should withhold it. Um, you know, I was talking to someone earlier on this week, uh, we were talking about salvation and the salvation that Christ came to, to give. It was primarily, you know, spiritual restoration to our Father. But, you know, when Jesus Christ came, he not only did he come to give us salvation, the gift of salvation, but when he met people who were blind, he dealt with those physical issues. Uh, when he saw the multitude was hungry and was following them, following him, he fed them. He gave them bread, you know, and fish, physical things. So, when we are in a position to give, we should be able to give. Um, so, uh, I don't think this discussion and you know trying to spiritualize things. Uh, should be any excuse for anyone uh, in not mm. giving gifts if they are able to. Yeah. I mean, you just brought to light a couple of things we take for granted and knowing that this week is a gift uh, from God. It's interesting. Today I took a Boda Boda and maybe just uh, a, a very quick um, testimony. I'm approaching um, the roundabout with this border guy, and he, he just simply took a glance of where he was going, looked back a little bit, and he almost hit a crowd of people that were crossing very, very quickly. Mm. And I had to say, boss, he looked forward, and honestly, I thought we were done. Um, he, he didn't slow down. If he had slowed down, he would have synchronized with the guy who was crossing the road. And he just swung him, just swung to the side and no helmets. And today is a gift. This very moment is a gift to be able to yeah. see a few minutes uh, of, of, uh, of life. And so thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for just bringing that into perspective. I think sometimes we take it for granted. But as you we are talking, it actually came to mind that being here is an opportunity. Yeah. It is a gift that we cannot take for granted. But let's leave the best version that we can, uh, for the lack of a better word, for every second that we have. Debbie, let, let's jump deep into this conversation for yeah. uh, for tonight. I was looking at trying to, of course, look at every blessing that we have in Christ Jesus and trying to look at the spiritual gifts that we have, not mixing right. the two. Um, um, of course, uh, salvation, talking about forgiveness, talking about all those mm-hmm. things that Ephesians mm-hmm. talks about. Um, those are not spiritual gifts, the way we know the group of spiritual gifts, like teaching, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, so. The abilities. But both, mm-hmm. Yes, the abilities. But both are blessings from God. Yes. Both are yes. blessings from God. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4.10, um, 
is, is a great reminder of why we have these things. Mm. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And of course, in the previous podcast, we did talk about, someone asked a question about whether we should be stewards with, with, uh, with gifts. And I think you answered it very, very well. Um, mm. But this also talks about us being good stewards of, of, of God's grace. And it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And of course, the point, two points from this particular verse that I, I want us to maybe dwell on a, a little bit. One is the fact that each has received the gift, number one, but also use it to serve another, use it to serve another. And let me ask the question, which I never asked. I don't know if, if it's, it's the question I wanted to ask. Then I'll ask the actual mm. question. The question that originally mm. wanted to ask was how yeah. a spiritual gift like the one you have of teaching, sometimes we, we yes, we use it well, but it can quickly turn into work. I don't know if you understand what I mean, where yeah. it becomes, oh man, yeah, yeah. It's it's now part of the contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, attached to salary, and we've we've made it an office kind of eight to five kind of thing. Especially for some of us who are in ministry. But this is the question I'm asking, David. Do you ever get tired of of serving, and uh, how do you re-energize yourself? to take advantage of the strength that God supplies, as First Peter is saying. And then why do some leaders end up hating the ministry that they do? And uh, sometimes they don't hate it, but their families do. And, and, and I know this many books and uh, articles have referred to it as a burnout for those of us who are in ministry. But how have you been able to handle the pressures of life and, and being able to re-energize yourself, even with the gift that, that you have, that it doesn't become, for lack of a better word, it doesn't become a curse, not only for you, but even for those who are closest uh, to you, David. I mean, quite a number of questions there, but uh, I mean, before I even answer that, um, I also want to point out something that your gift is your greatest enemy as well, or has the potential to be your greatest enemy. It is at your point of gifting that pride usually sets in. It is at mm. your point of gifting that, you know, things like burnout comes in because of, you know, you being able to use it uh, well, and, you know, there's demand for you. Uh, it is at your point of gifting that, you know, arrogance comes in and, and sometimes greed and, and, and the desire for more limelight uh, comes in and the praise of man. Uh, so saying that, I'm saying that, that that gifting, you know, we need to be careful. That's why, um, you know, Romans 12 uh, talks about humility. Uh, after Romans uh, 12, 1, 2, 3, talks about, you know, we, we need to be humble in the way we present and use our gifts because that can be the platform for pride. That can be the platform for our downfall. It is my using of gifts that puts me at the forefront and all sorts of temptations are going to come. Uh, you know, men will be attracted to you if you're, a, if you're a lady and you're gifted in something. As a man, that is going to attract women and, and that could be your downfall as well. So, being careful, being careful in how we handle those gifts with humility. And most people in ministry and most Christians, they don't realize that, that but that most of the times ends up being the point where we fall. Whether it is a gift of administration, whether it's a gift of uh, whatever gift that you, that you mentioned. Now, getting to your question, uh, uh, you know, do I ever get tired? I don't get tired. I do get exhausted. And I want to make a distinction. Tired is a, an attitude. 
Tired is not just a physical aspect, it is also an attitude. It's like I am fed up. I am exhausted physically and then I am fed up also mentally, emotionally. Enough is enough. That's how I define tired. So have I gotten to that point? I don't think I have. Have I been exhausted? Yes, I have so many times. So many times and, and I have desired to, you know, just take a break. I feel the strain physically. I feel the strain emotionally. I am drained. I cannot give out anymore and I need to retreat. Uh, now, my wife and I are, are very opposite. Uh, my wife gets energy from people. You know, the more people around, the more energy and she can keep going on and on and on. For me, I have a limit. Uh, for when I can have people around and I can I can serve. And after that, I have to withdraw. And now to answer your question, how do I, you know, replenish? How do I get refilled? One, uh, just having that personal space, okay, um, and, and doing nothing. <laughs> for me, that's how I, I, I re-energize. Having the personal space, do nothing, and then after doing nothing, uh, and resting myself, my brain, my thinking, then I begin to think and reflect um, on, on what I maybe I've done, on what needs to be done. Just that away moment. That's why I love traveling, by the way. Um, I love to travel. I love to be sometimes by myself in the car and just drive. It gives me moments of, you know, solitary withdrawal and just think and just think about life and different things. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I draw a lot of energy from uh, reading the Bible, especially the Psalms. Um, I, I feel the Psalms are very real. Um, <laughs> the people who wrote the Psalms, they had no bars head held back. You know, it's not like Paul. You know, Paul seems to be very straight. Everything is in place, very theological. I, I like the Psalms, you know. Uh, the, the guy is so honest. So I, I get energy from that. Um, and then just um, being away from everything that maybe is ministry directed and just being with, with my boys and we fool around and, and run and play and, and do uh, different things. Sometimes I, I go for rugby and, and just be away from anything that is word of life uh, and, and be connected to another you know section of life. So, for me, that's how I get re-energized. Um, and, and I usually tell people, if you're in ministry, find something else that is not ministry-related. Um, if it is soccer, go and play soccer. Uh, if it is, you know, uh, another social setting that you can do something. Farming, I, I, I love I love farming. I remember there's a time I was, I was really drained uh, from ministry. And I visited a friend who has a farm, uh, a dairy farm, and I was there for a week. Oh, my goodness. That was so refreshing. You know, waking up at five to go and milk and, you know, feed the cows. I, I, I drew so many lessons from that, but I felt re-energized. I wanted to go back after that one week and just do ministry. Um, so I don't know whether I've answered your question, but, yes, uh, there's moments of getting... Uh, exhausted. But now, uh, being in ministry, we need to be careful. When we get to the point of being tired, our attitude is, you know, also changed. We, we, we don't want even to see the people, you know. Uh, the next person that comes and is a ministry opportunity, you're irritated. You need to step back. And not just step back, but get a support system. Get someone else that's in ministry to, to, you know, pour into your life. And most of the times we get to that point when we have lost touch with God himself. Let me repeat that. You, you can be serving and, and being very productive and very fruitful, but being disconnected from God. And when you start getting tired and irritated and, and, you know, your attitude towards ministry is of cynicism and there's a time I sent an article to some people, you're cynistic, you're pessimistic, you, you know, you need to, to stop. 
get someone to help you to get reconnected to God. And usually that's what happens even with burnout. I have seen so many people get uh, burnt out with ministry and uh, if there's no intervention, usually crisis is, in, in, is, in, is ahead. Uh, you hear people leaving ministry, you hear people, their marriages breaking up, you hear you know, their families hating ministry. Uh, just this last, just this week, my, my wife was telling me about a friend that they served with and was so passionate about things of God. And yesterday he sent out a message and said, you know, he has, he, he has denounced Christianity. Uh, he doesn't even believe that there's God, but usually there's a progression. And uh, it starts with, you know, over-serving and overdoing things and putting God out of the picture. And, 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 that is very common. If you see some of the mega churches, some of the big names of people that have fallen, especially in the Western world, usually they have built a ministry around their gift. And they begin to ride on the tide of their gifting and forget the gift giver. And soon you, you analyze their lives you know, the way they interact with people, the way they talk, the way they deal with people, the way God is not in the picture. It is the gift. And uh, soon things begin to crumble. Our gifts are never, ever meant to be used outside the gift giver. And then I'll be sharing a, a verse later on in, in Romans um, chapter 11. Uh, towards the end, I think it contextualizes the the place of the gift and the gift uh, giver himself. I know that's a very long, long answer, David. I appreciate it in every way, David. Um, it's, it's way more than I'd asked for in the sense that uh, in itself, it's, it's already content by, by itself in terms of full. Uh, you, you began by talking about how Sometimes we, we look at these things, the gifts that we have with pride. Um, mm. and, and I'm constantly trying to draw a line between the physical things that we have and also just the spiritual uh, blessings that we have in Christ. Um, I do remember um, moments when I'm driving my car uh, here and it, it doesn't give you a lot of, what, what's the word? Pride. Mm. <laughs> Especially when you're on the highway. And uh, it's, 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 it's small and these cars pass you and it shakes. And it doesn't give you that kind of, hmm? I'm, I'm, in as much as it's a Pajero, it doesn't give you the pride of a Prado. You know what I'm saying? And, but sometimes we are in ministry and when we realize success, we, we, we feel like we are driving a Tesla or a Mercedes Benz. And we begin to look at other ministries and we compare and we, we even know what they're doing wrong and how you could have done it better. We are beginning to sound like we know what we are doing. And we forget, like you said, we cannot serve out of the one that gave the gift. And so let's be careful. These are, these are gifts of grace. We don't deserve them. And, and so there's no point where we turn around and we think now, oh, I've got this, I've got this. That was a good reminder, Debbie. Thank you. Uh, thank you Kipson, so much. Kipson, uh, Nelson there says, uh, you know, loving God more than the ministry. Mm. Mm. And that should be the ideal. That's, mm. That should be the goal. And I'll be honest with you, um, <laughs> it is not easy. It's mm. not an everyday thing. I wish I could say every day I wake up loving God more than the ministry. I wish I could mm. say that. I mean, these days I've started the habit of, you know, turning off my my phone as far as social media is concerned mm. um, at night and then I reconnect to it uh, maybe at around nine. I think, you, was it yesterday or today you asked me, have you seen my message? And I told you I had not seen it <laughs> and it was 10. Mm. Why, mm. Why, do I, why am I beginning to, see, to, to do that? It's because I realize that sometimes I wake up loving the ministry more than God. Mm. I wake up you know, with these goals and targets that I need to achieve, these projects that I need to finish. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm like a dog that is panting, you know, with the tongue out, you know, busy mm. rushing from this to that, to this business, to this ministry engagement, to this class, to this speaking, to this meeting. 
and there's no God there at all. I, I, and I can be honest with you, there's days I have, I have woken up and I'm just on the go, 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 go. I've left my kids, I've left my wife, you know, there I'm just pursuing the ministry. And sometimes God takes, you know, maybe my son telling me, Dad, we've not seen you, or just reminding me mm. that I've drifted towards loving the ministry more than God. And, and, and I, I love it when, when, you know, before I leave, my wife just, you know, uh, before we even get out of bed and, and, and just praying together, even if it's just for two minutes or three minutes, and, and, and I'm reminded, you know, I need to get my Bible before I step out. Because once I step mm. out of my bed, I am not going to do my quiet time. I know that. It will be the shower and the next thing and the next thing and someone is knocking at the door, is asking for this, someone is doing this. So keep the phone away, get the Bible so that I am constantly reminded. And, and it's, I wish I could say, and I've been in ministry for I think 20 something years. I wish I could say loving God comes automatically. No, it doesn't. I think loving ministry for me, comes automatically most of the times. And I have to remind myself to love God more than the ministry. Hmm. One of the things you did mention earlier on is uh, when the next person comes along and you look at them like they're a bother, Mm. (laughs) they're a problem, then that's a red sign that we need to step back. And maybe the question I have for each one of us listening in today, whether you're in full-time, and by full-time, I know people call this differently, vocational ministry, full-time ministry, Mm. and there's a play of words there, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, Whether you're that or you're a mom uh, back home looking after young ones or a dad who is exhausted from work, um, yeah, just, just ask yourself the question, how do I turn off? How do I turn off? That, 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 that's going to be different for each one of us. There has to be a point where we withdraw like Christ did from the disciples. And he prayed, and he prayed. But let me also sound another warning for those of us who are listening in. Just to be careful that we can quickly swing to the, to the extreme uh, where you say, it's me time, it's me, I need to celebrate. And, and coming to the festival seasons, it's going to be difficult. You're going to hang out with friends who don't care what they're pouring in their glasses, who don't mind what they're drinking, what they're saying, what they're watching. And, and without a routine of work and uh, getting up when you need to, uh, th- th- there's a temptation to, to fall away. And uh, I was just thinking about this. Most of the gladiator movies we watched, the enemy seems to attack when the other people are celebrating, when, when, when they are partying, and that's when he seems to attack. And that's just a warning. I'm not saying all of us who are celebrating Christmas uh, are going to fall, but it's just a simple warning. But Debbie, I, I wanted to give you a full 30 minutes. Can, but, can I just jump on to what you've said? You know, yes, there's yes. nothing like me time in Christianity. What does mean time, me time mean? <laughs> mm. Even when Jesus Christ, you know, withdrew from the crowd, he either had, you know, the three with him at mm. the most intimate moments, and they were able to observe this, mm. or he was spending time with God. Okay. Mm. There is no time for isolation. The only time we have me time happening, that was in Genesis 3. And we know what happened to the me time. The woman was isolated from, you know, God and his, and Mm. she was isolated even from the husband not having, and and we know what happens. You know, that's why I think they say an idle mind that is not connected to God or not connected to a, a smaller group of believers is the devil's workshop. Um. I think the only legitimate me time should be when you're sleeping. Outside that, you're either spending time meditating, uh, just, but me time is, it's, it's dangerous time. Let me tell you that. Mm. And I've had me time as well. Uh, and those me time where you've withdrawn from people and you've withdrawn from God because you want that me time, sometimes it's time for you to just you know, think about how the ministry has taken advantage of you and you become bitter and you become all sorts of things. So we need to be careful when we, we, when we define what me time really, really means. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think we were meant to be in me time. When you look at uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and, and the whole book of Hebrews, it's people who are going through different and difficult times. And what does he tell them? Listen, do not give up the habit of meeting together. For what purposes? To spur one another, to fade, mm-hmm. to, you know, because you need it at that time when you're burnt out. You need it. Uh, so have God time. I would rather call it some God time uh, or some, you know, uh, come to Jesus. One of my disciples used to say, I come to Jesus moment where you meet with him. And, and I had some come to Jesus moment a few months ago. And my wife keeps reminding me, you know, I was just being sparked by a, a gentleman that I really, really respect, you know, just telling him my, <laughs> my ministry schedule. And uh, yeah, anyway, so. You can continue. And, and yeah. Debbie, I, I'm really sorry, guys, but we, we, we really have to. Anyway, let me, let me for the sake of time. And Nelson <laughs> there is in ministry, and, 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 and I can see he also agrees. Yeah. That me time it, is a mm. port for, you know, bitterness. It is a port for, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Um, in I every can way. tell you that. Yeah. In every way. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, for most of us who are in ministry, even reading God's word can become a job that mm-hmm. you, you want time away. You understand? And mm-hmm. But you look at the psalmist in Psalm 23, there are a thousand lessons to learn from that chapter. One of the things he says, you lead me beside quiet waters. And then he says, you restore my soul. Mm-hmm. He was not alone. He, he was he was feeding. That's an analogy of him feeding from God and and and, and just being restored. It's it's that's I think the time we need to be. That's how we need to describe our time with God. That we are resting. It's not a burden. It's not a. Right. David, let me ask this quick question, really quick. Um, why? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's something. This is personal now. I think I get a chance to uh, just uh, be able to receive some answers as well. But I'm also asking for Christians who are here that mm. have found themselves in moments where they doubt their work. They, they're doubting why they have to, why they have to. We've talked about ministry and, and the God and the gifts that God has given us. Mm. Okay. And mm. how we're using them and how we need to be energized. This morning I, I was reading John chapter one, and mm. this is, this is extremely fascinating. And I don't even thought about it until um, a lot until today. In, in verse 29, in John chapter 1, we, we are seeing John the Baptist, of course, introducing the ministry of Christ. Um, mm-hmm. This is way after, yes, he's born, I mean, he's grown, he's beginning his public ministry, he's beginning to call disciples. And this is how John describes it. He says in verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, in other words, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. And he said, I quote, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I Myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. These things may look unrelated, but, but just hear me out. John sounds so sure that this is the Christ. He, he has come to the point of his ministry where I would say he gets a chance to experience or witness the reason why John the Baptist was created. This is, I mean, at some point he referred to himself as, I am the voice crying out in the wilderness when they asked him, mm. who are you? He said, I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice. He was so sure about his ministry. Mm. But just before he dies, he sends word to Christ asking, are you the one? Mm-hmm. This is before his death. He's realizing, hey, I'm coming to the end of my life and perhaps I could have lived it in vain. David, do you ever wonder whether you regret doing what you're doing? And and this is why I ask. Mm-hmm. 
Are, are you mm. afraid the future may not be in your favor, that your kids have nothing to inherit, knowing, of course, how much missionaries sometimes take home? How, how do you reconcile these things? The question is not only for the leaders uh, listening in tonight, but also for any Christian that is tempted to think they're wasting time living in obedience to God. I mean, people are passing you over for promotions because you refuse mm-hmm. to do certain things at your workplace. You refuse to bow down to the pressures of, of corruption and being inconsistent. You're holding on to your integrity and you can almost hear uh, someone whispering in you, why don't you cast God and die? And you're saying, I will hold on. But don't we sometimes, David, do you ever wonder that you could have come to the end of your life and you're still asking, did I do the right thing? Do these things bother you, Devi? Uh, about being in ministry, I, I don't think so. I, I think <laughs> I, I, I don't foresee myself uh, saying because I was in ministry at this particular point in my life. Now, l- let me say this. I don't know whether I will be in vocational ministry all my life. Because I don't know what God has in store for me next year. I I am that kind of person. If I feel the conviction for me to go and 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 God posts me to MTN, I will go if I have the conviction that that's what He's calling me to do. So I, I don't think it's the same thing. There are people who say they are called to Uganda. They are called to I don't know Somalia. I don't feel called to any particular region. And I told one of the things I told my wife when we got married was, uh, by the way, if you're called to Uganda, probably we need to stop this thing here. I told her we could get married, and if God tells me to go to Somalia tomorrow, friends, I will be going to Somalia. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this to say uh, I believe every stage that God. And when I look back, I think I'm, I'm old enough to be able to look back and I see. Everything that God has taken me through, including the bad things, the worst and worst things in my life, I can see how they have become useful for me right now and how I'm able to employ them. So I believe even this patch of ministry, whether it is going to be for the rest of my life or just momentarily, I believe God is going to use it for something. Maybe someday I'm going to write a book. I was actually thinking about that uh, today as I was coming back home, uh, just the experiences I've had in ministry and how I, I'll probably be able to write a book on, on leadership and the things that I have learned. Um, but here's my fear. Um, and the more, the more I, be, I get involved in ministry, the more I study, the less dogmatic I am about certain theological positions. I know that sounds very dangerous. Why is that? Because the more I, I study, the more I realize I don't know. And there's a possibility that there's something I am really, really dogmatic about today. Tomorrow, my positions may not be as strong as they were yesterday. And so my fear is having alienated myself from people and being obnoxious when I'm discussing a certain issue today, and tomorrow realizing I was so, so, so wrong. And when I study church history, I know of people who are so convinced about their positions. But right now when I look and I study church history, I see how wrong they were. And I ask myself, how foolish could they be? But you know what? When they were in that position, they were convinced that that was the right thing. So I think for me, that's the greatest fear, David, uh, that I would be so arrogant and so sure about my position. And, and as I study ahead to figure out, I was so sincerely wrong. And that happened to me when I was at the Bible Institute, by the way. There's moments I sat in class and I, and I started repenting because I had misled people from my previous positions that I had. Uh, but, uh, I mean, looking at others, uh, I know that happens to people in ministry and then they start taking shortcuts and they start taking corners because they think other people are going ahead of them. Uh, but I ask, you know, 
David was designed to be something. David was never designed to be maybe a minister or a tycoon. And, and to be comfortable in your skin, to be comfortable with what God has called you to do, figure out what your purpose in, in life is and seek to be the best of the best in that area. Um, I don't think I've been called to be a tycoon. I think God has called me to be a teacher and, and I love teaching. And guess what? I spent so much time trying to figure out how I can be the best teacher that there ever was. Um, and, and I'm happy doing that. And I think my biggest regret will be for me to look back and see how I didn't handle my teaching well, how I was not responsible in growing in that area and looking back at the different opportunities that God has given me and how I didn't do it very well. I think that will be my regret. Well, you do have someone cheering you on. Keeps on saying that dogmatic, wanting to go backwards on some of the things you believe is dangerous, but good, dangerous, but good. I mean, yesterday, David, now that you mentioned it, yesterday I was reading um, Oswald Chambers' article and he talked about the same thing, similar thing. And he mm -hmm. says, just just go back. He, just, just go back a little bit to some of the things you say you believe. Recite them again to yourselves. Mm -hmm. And then he said, weigh them against the cross. Mm -hmm. And if they don't hold any water, drop them. Just drop them. Mm -hmm. And the reason he's saying that, he's giving an example coming from Galatians, where Paul is saying, I, I'm going to paraphrase, I don't have it open right now, but he's saying, I, 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 I don't want to boast in anything apart from the cross. And of course, mm -hmm. he's asking the question of why the Galatians, um, I mean, why the Gentiles were being forced to be circumcised. And he's saying, if it's not holding water against the cross, I would rather boast only and only in the cross. And so let's take the things we are pursuing, um, whether it's a job, whether it's a, uh, it's a, a project we are doing, and let's wait against the cross. Wait against the cross. And if it doesn't hold any water, drop it. Drop it. Why? Because all that matters, all that matters is the things of God. And uh, someone once said, and of course someone challenged that statement when they, when they said that only two things will last forever, for eternity, the word of God and the souls of men. The word of God and the souls of men. Devi, Again, second time in a row, I've not given you a chance to um, <laughs> be able to I mean, divide what you have prepared. But I think the conversation we've had has has been awesome. It, it's been good great. questions. Yes, yes, good questions, um, rich, and I think very natural. I think that's that's good. Um, mm -hmm. I hope it's benefited someone as well. Um, it helps even us, when I talk about these things and I reflect. Mm -hmm. Yes. Give yeah. us a verse. Give us a verse. Just in case people may think this is not a Christian program we're running right now. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I've said so many things that are not uh, very Christian. You yes, know, I, I, I have a, a bad habit of being invited in some places and they don't invite me again because <laughs> I don't fit into the script. You know, mm. I, 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 I think there's so much hypocrisy within the Christian circles and people expecting you to you know, live in a certain, uh, you know, fold. Mm. You know, if, if you go somewhere and you don't mention a verse, eh, but I don't have to mention a verse, but the principles that I share, can you point them back to, you know, biblical principles, that what we mm. say should be based on biblical principles. Anyway. Um, but we mentioned verses, David. We came from first. Yes, we did. We did. And, and what we've been talking about has, <laughs> yes. has been based on, 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 on the Bible. Now, going back yeah. to the issue of gifts, and I know that's where we started from, hmm. um, and the distortions that there is about gifts. Uh, I was doing a study uh, yesterday and today just in preparation for this and just asking myself, you know, where did the distortion for gifts come from? I, I David, I don't know how many times you've heard me but Genesis 3 for me usually is the answer for everything. I go back to Genesis 3 and, and you see the problem also of the fall was a problem of the gift. God puts two beautiful, wonderful gifts at the middle of the garden. But those two gifts are surrounded by so many other gifts that man was supposed to enjoy. And... Um, 
we see in verse 1 of chapter 3, um, the problem begins with you, okay, God is not around, and, 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 and what's her name? I almost called her Eve. Uh, Eve, you know, momentarily, momentarily separated maybe from the husband, and she begins to have a conversation with the serpent. Okay? She begins to have a conversation with the serpent. So the first stage is isolation. Okay? Where, and I'm trying to answer the question, where does our distortion, where we begin to exalt the gift above the gift giver, it begins with isolation. Number two, it goes to distortion. And we find this in verse four. We get a distorted view of the gift and we begin to hear other voices because we see the woman having a conversation with the serpent, getting other voices that tell us, you know, Christmas is about this and the gifts are about this. And we begin to take in the culture of the world and lose sight of how God wants us to see what the gifts are. And actually in verse four, you know, the, the serpent distorts God's message and says, no, surely that will not happen to you. From distortion, okay, we get a twisted promise in verse 5. And, and, and Satan begins to twist. And we begin to look at the gift that God has given us and we get a twisted. For example, if God has given me the gift of teaching and I begin to say, man, if I went there and I used this gift here and I moved to Kansang and I used my gift where there is more rich people, eh, I could get myself this. And you begin to see the gift, the beautiful thing that God has given you. I mean, that fruit that was put in the middle there, it is God that put it there. But what does Satan say? You know, he begins to, to put in these things. You'll be able to get this. You'll be wise. You'll be rich. You'll be this and that. So the distortion begins and you begin to look at your gift and how you can use it. You begin to, to see the gift that God has given you maybe of, uh, of, of a church and how you can use that platform, you know, to become famous. And you begin to see the gift of, you name it, and you distort it and it's, it, it is, okay? It is a distorted promise or a distorted gift. In verse 6, it is becoming worse. It becomes an obsession. What does it say? She looked at it and it was, I mean, that fruit was always there. That tree was always there. But why does she begin to see it differently? It's an obsession. You've thought about it. You've thought about what it can give you. And you become obsessed over it. And at the point of obsession, you're no longer thinking about the gift giver. It doesn't matter what you tell Eve at this point. She's gone too deep. She's inevitably going to take a bite. A good example of this, again, is in the New Testament, where this young man, the prodigal son, we usually call the prodigal son, at the point he told his dad, give me my portion, obsession had taken over. There was nothing the father was going to tell this young man that was going to convince him. He had to go and take a bite of life in the city. He had to go and take a bite of the alcohol and the carousing for him to eventually realize that he had taken poison. But it's a progression, David. Alternatives, isolation, distortion, twisted view, and then obsession. And finally, where does it lead us to? Disappointment, verse 7. Disappointment and the fall. It always leads us, whenever we, we take out God out of the picture and we exalt the gift, it usually leads to the same, same place. Talk about Adam and Eve. Talk about the mega church pastors. Talk about the prodigal son. Talk about your own life. When we lose perspective of the gift giver and pursue the gift and what the gift can give us, 
usually leads to disappointment. Even that young lady that you're pursuing, whoever is listening and you're single, or that guy, and you begin to see him and what he can give you and what he can provide for you, and you forget God and you begin to compromise, it happens, friends. And then eventually you get it, right? You get the guy and you've, you know, forgotten about the biblical principle and the gift giver. It usually leads to the same place. Verse 7, nakedness, exposed. And now you try to find ways of covering things. But by then it's too late. And we know how God provides a remedy in 315, the Savior. When we see the gift in line and in perspective of the Savior, it usually helps. And let me end with, you know, Romans. Uh, we looked at this at church some time back. Romans chapter 11, um, verse uh, 36. Talking about everything but the gift. Romans eleven thirty-six says this. For of him, okay, and through him, and to him are all things. All things. All things means all things. The gifts, life, uh, talents, resources, everything that we have came from him. And it came through him. And it is to be used for his glory to him. To whom be glory forever and ever. So, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be ambitious. Let's be ambitious. Let's seek the good things in life. But let our pursuit of those good things in life, let it not be obscured. Let it not obscure our view of God. We need to see them in perspective of God. Why do you need a big house? Why do you need a big car? Why do you need that lady? Why do you need that guy? Why do you need a child? Last time we talked about, you know, having, you know, children. Why do you need children? Where does God fall into the picture when God gives you children? Why do you need a, a bigger salary? It's not bad to have those things. Listen, I also want all those things, but I need to remember when he gives it to me and I get it through him, it needs to be to him. That we begin to see the gifts in light of the Savior and of God for his glory. Thank you, David. Isolation, distortion, a twisted promise, obsession, disappointment, and eventually exposed. I, I don't know if I think I missed something, but I think those were the six I was able to uh, note down. Thank you, David, uh, for summarizing. I met a friend once who has the same view like you, um, and his point is when you are trying to uh, study something, always go back to Genesis. Usually Genesis has a beginning of how everything uh, began. And it's interesting that, uh, man, they, they had everything. They had everything, but they saw that which they were refused to touch, I mean, to, to have. And uh, it, it's what kept calling. It's what kept calling. That, that's, did God really say? Did God really say? And I'm always... I'm always uh, um, inclined each time I look at Genesis 3 um, and I, I think it's Grace uh, who brought this to my attention and uh, he says she said that uh, you know it, it's it's funny that the devil doesn't tell you everything um, he says you'll be wise this is good for food you will be wise and he gives you all these promises we talked about a twisted promise he gives you all these promises that everything will be okay. There's even evidence sometimes of how others are doing better. And I think this ties into the, the question we we're talking about, about just comparing uh, and wanting to give up and seeing others going ahead of you. There's sometimes even evidence. But it, it's important to note that Mary, uh, I also almost called her Mary, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Eve, it's, it's Christmas. Eve. Mm. had no clue that she would lose her home the same day. Mm. She mm. had no clue that one of her sons is going to kill the other. Mm. She had no clue that Chivaya and I would suffer the consequences of their actions. 
thousands of years later. They had no clue. All they were promised is you'll be wise. You will know good. You'll be yeah, wise. You'll be, you'll know good yeah. and evil. The difference. And, and it's, it's interesting that he never gives us the full picture, but God does. God does. I mean, all his warnings, they stand sure. And I think it's a psalmist who says, your, your word is sure. It's, you look at it and you can tell it has, God's word has, has gone through the test of time that we are sure these things will stand the test of time. May we have our confidence in the word of God, not the promises uh, that are twisted. Like you, I love the way you put it. It's a twisted promise. Um, and so may this Christmas be a great reminder for each one of us um, just to, to remain focused on that which God has blessed us with, not the gifts he has not given us or the things he has told us do not go near that, do not go near that. And I want to talk to a Christian here who may be struggling with, with the bottle and the festival seasons are coming. Kindly send your, just send me a note at david at cabindivos.com if you need help. If you need help, just send a, just send an email, david at cabindivos.com and help will come to you to be able to help you through this coming festival seasons. Let me also make two announcements. One is that I would like to encourage each one of us to visit cabindivos.com. And before you leave that website, leave us your email address so we can give you updates of what's coming up, extra content. Um, we are right now raising a team that is going to be writing very short blogs. We are calling them three to five minutes reads. It's not a whole book, but they're going to be thought provoking. It's out of those small blogs that will be developing content that eventually is going to be airing here on Cabidibos. We have so much in stock when it comes to just the ministry that we are trying to do here with Cabidibos. It's your number one live podcast. Devi, as we come to the end of our time together, any final thoughts any 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 final greetings do you want to send greetings some of the people that you can recognize here as we come to the end of our time no, together it's just uh, joel there who's reminding us that her name is eve and i uh, just want him to know you know sunday school has been shut down for the past <laughs> two years so he needs to cut us some slack we no longer go to sunday school he said let me put the name here so, but uh, <laughs> yeah but uh, thank you very much for listening. I mean, um, you know, may God help mm. us. May God help us. Uh, the, the, the allure of the gift. Uh, and and for, for us men, it's the gadget. You know, there are times I just want something. I want the latest phone. I want the latest thing. And, and I'm, I'm going to do all sorts of things uh, to get it. And I, sometimes it drives me away from the Father. Let's, let's desire the mm. gifts but let's desire them in perspective of God and in perspective of eternity. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Talking Lord. about gifts, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to bless someone uh, with a gift of three used, gently used items. And so Samaritan Sunday is the event that I'm talking about. One of the things I'm doing with a good friend of mine, Frank Matovu, we've decided to wear the same clothes to church uh, on <laughs> Sunday. Uh, why? Because we don't need we don't need twenty shirts. We don't need twenty shirts, and so that's just to. I, I did that this past Sunday, and I asked the, the audience, how many of you remember me wearing this two weeks ago, and about only three people uh, remembered. Why? And, and even after they remembered, it didn't make a big difference. <laughs> it didn't make a big difference. It's going mm. to make a big difference for Frank. <laughs> Is he going to sit at the front again? He, he he's going to distract people for nothing with his orange pants. <laughs> but Frank, Frank is going to wear the same clothes. If you're here, and, uh, and 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 you have clothes that you can give away, please, please send me an email, David at cabindivos.com. We take these clothes, we put them together, we wash them, and repair them, and we invite people to come and pick them up. Uh, on a particular day and this is what we call Samaritan Sunday while they pick these clothes we make it a point to have a gospel conversation with them and the last one that we had more than 30 people I don't remember the exact numbers gave their lives to Christ gave their lives to Christ I want to just uh, thank those who participated in the previous uh, Samaritan Sunday thank you thank you so much for giving thank you so much for giving I mean, I looked at some of the trousers I got from you guys and I'm like, whoa, this is good. 
this is good. It reminds me of the psalmist uh, David when he said, I will not offer anything to the Lord that costs me nothing. And so let me remind us uh, to be able to give towards that. Whatever you have, it could be a piece of furniture. We got a bed, by the way, that we gave away. And we got an, another bed this time around. Any items, it could be a saucepan, it could be cups that don't match and they bother you. Just please give them to us. We'll find a family to give them to. Someone is going to be blessed this Christmas when you choose to give. But if you're too far away from us, maybe you cannot send in your items. We do receive financial help and we intend to buy some of these clothes from Awino if we are unable to get the items that uh, we are looking for. So please go ahead and get in touch with me, david at cabindivos.com and would like to bless someone else. Thank you guys. Thank you. And thank you so much for tuning in. I hope to see you again on Monday as we look at the final part when it comes to our Christmas uh, series with David. Uh, and so thank you. And thank you so much, David. Thank you guys for being here. Have a good night. And we'll see you again on Monday. God bless you. Cabin Devils every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, you, you, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.